emergency podcast we weren't planning on this but then teams decided to do a bunch of crazy things and sometimes you got to do that so your next episode isn't 16 hours long okay the first thing we got to talk about james i think there's the biggest event in the nba offseason thus far russell westbrook is headed to tinseltown to play with lebron james anthony davis for the los angeles lakers and everyone's got feelings about this trade. And I don't think many of them are all that positive. How do you feel? Yeah, I feel conflicted. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think I'm just going to start with the positives because they're less obvious, you know. Um, it's pretty crazy. Like LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, and Anthony Davis combined – get you like more than half of the points, rebounds, and assists that you need as a team to win a game. You know, like I know those are raw accounting stats, but like in terms of sheer production from three players, like you're not going to find much better, you know? Yeah. Um, And in terms of the fit, I think that Russ and LeBron can share the floor to an extent because I think LeBron's going to work off the ball a little bit more. He'll be a finisher more than he's been and it'll be a spot off shooter more than he's been. So I see it working at that level. But what worries me the most, man, is the end of close games. Like, (laughs) you know, like what Russ is, no matter what team he's on, he's really ineffective at the end of a close game. So you have a problem, you know? No, no, it's not. It's not that he's just that he's really ineffective at the end of close games. He really, really, really wants to take the last shot. Yeah. And so it's one of those things where it's like his ineffectiveness is compounded by the fact that he is literally trying to do the most. Yeah. Ineffective honestly sells it short. He's actually a massive liability at the end of games. You just, I mean, I agree with all of that. And my biggest concern is no one out there thinks this is a good basketball fit. Yeah. And what the Lakers proved when they won the championship is LeBron and AD basically make any cast of supporting players work as long as they can do one thing. Yeah. Kind of shoot threes. As long as they can kind of space the floor, those guys will take care of pretty much everything else. So my thinking is, is that, the Lakers are just going to go to every single free agent that's a decent three-point shooter and be like, look, take a one-year pillow contract. Take a one-year deal just to come here because you will never get more open threes than yeah. you can, than like in the history of basketball playing with Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis. Because if I'm not mistaken, the Lakers are like the 10th worst 
three-point shooting team. I think that sounds right to me last year. Yeah. I know they're so they're bottom third. You know, they're bottom third of the league in three-point shooting. This is a league where three-point shooting, it's like make-or-miss league. I say it's a make-or-miss your threes, right? And yeah. I think that's really how the game has progressed. And so for me, it's like you need to upgrade your three-point shooting. And you went and got Russell Westbrook, who's like famously the worst high-volume three-point shooter. So I don't like it from the basketball fit. But on the flip side, what they had to give up to get him is just absurd. I know because of, of his massive contract, he's making over $40 million, uh, these next two seasons. You're going to have to give up a lot of stuff just to make the salaries work. But they gave up like useful players that I think on aggregate probably are better for their team overall. Yeah. Let me touch on a couple of things there. In terms of what they gave up, uh, in a vacuum, it's, it's a lot for sure. At the same time, Harrell wasn't a great fit for them. Uh, even Kuzma arguably wasn't a great fit for them. But it, it stings to give up KCP, man, because he was a perfect fit for them, right? Uh, yeah. He's exactly the type of player you want to have alongside LeBron James and Russell Westbrook, really. So, uh, yeah. right, that's too bad. Um, let me ask you a question in yeah. terms of the basketball fit. Does, is this going to force Anthony Davis to play at the five uh, because they're going to need spacing at the four. Like they need like Davis Bertans or something like that. They're not going to get him, but like, you know, they need someone at the four who like shoots, right? Like it, they can't play a Dwight Howard or a JaVale McGee with Russ at the point. We saw how that worked out with Clint Capella in Houston. So it's going to have to be all shooters around, around their big three. Yeah. So I think what they'll end up doing, and I think this is the calculus if, you're the Lakers and you want to think and you want to believe that they're making a decision that's not incredibly stupid like yeah. everyone else is is you go LeBron is slowing down physically he can't play at the same intensity can't play for as long and part of the reason why that's the case is that like on offense he's tasked with bringing the ball up the court penetrating creating through his penetration or getting to the rim and you say, you know, Westbrook can do that. Maybe if we stagger their minutes well enough, we can have it so AD plays the five some. But I think they still want AD to play the four at times just because he said he wants to play the four. And yeah. the physical demands on his body playing, you know, traditional center or the, as the lone center seem to lead him to the, in, the injury list, essentially. Yeah. So I think that's what the calculus has to be from their side is that that can happen. And the big issue I have for the basketball fit is Russell Westbrook is a great shot creator for his teams, but he does it solely through penetration. He's not like a great visionary passer where he makes a pass and it like you had no idea that guy was open or he makes a pass and a guy all of a sudden has a great opportunity to shoot. It's more his ability, his athleticism and ability to beat guys off the dribble and beat guys in transition forces the defense to collapse and then guys are wide open. And that's and incredibly exactly. valuable. That's yeah, incredibly valuable. Easy reads for him that you'd have to be an idiot not to, to, to catch, right? Which yeah. is fine. It doesn't matter how you get the reads, but like, you're right. Yeah. And so, and so that to me is the issue with the basketball fit is that what he's really good at doing LeBron is better at. Yeah. Yeah. Right, but see, I do think they needed secondary playmaking. It's just I don't know if it had to be all the way Russell Westbrook, you know, like 
the thing is, Russell Westbrook is never a secondary playmaker. My my biggest thing with him is that with the way he plays, he's he's option A, and that's just the problem. As soon as he steps on the court, he's he's option A. And when you have a team with LeBron and AD, I can't see a world where Russell Westbrook should be option A. I mean, no. Yeah, no, I know. I, I mean, I, but there's always speculation like this, but you got to wonder if, if there's been conversation before the trade happened and Russ said, okay, you know what? I'll take five less shots a game to play with you guys. Like maybe, you know, because otherwise it's true. Like if Russ is just going to go in there and be like, fuck it, dude, I'm getting my 30 point triple doubles every night. And if we don't win, we don't win. Then it's like, this going to be, a, it's going to be a disaster. Like it could be a disaster. What makes Russell Westbrook a great basketball player and what makes Russell Westbrook such an appealing player to people is that he is uncompromising. And it's the thing that is makes him great, but it's also like what makes him not as great as, as he could be in a sense is that he's going to do it a certain way. And you hear this all the time with like talented NBA players, superstars, stuff like that. They go when they're talking about going to another team, I'll make these sacrifices. I'll do this. I'll do that. I'll change my game. Russell Westbrook ain't changing his fucking game. I'm sorry. He played with Kevin Durant and didn't change his game. He played with James Harden, didn't change his game. Both those guys are like way better than him. And then he goes and plays with Bradley Beal and he really like doubles down on what he does, even though Bradley Beal is an incredible isolation scorer and if they had had that offense run through Bradley Beal more than Westbrook and he added elements to his game playing off ball, I think that Wizards team would have been a little bit better. Would they have? I, I agree. I mean, I'd rather run my offense through Bradley Beal. Exactly. Uh, we're talking about a high volume, 40% three point shooter versus uh, Brick Brook, you know, like it is. Yeah. 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 And so I think, I think what the, at the end of the day, this trade for me, this, the baffling part, for the Lakers and the part that I think was a really good job by the wizards is you just go and you look at the, where Russell Westbrook's trade value was when the wizards acquired him, it cost them John wall, who is on an equally large contract, probably the only worst contract in the league. Yes. And it cost that and a super protected first round pick to get Westbrook. Then the wizards trade him. And they get Kuzma, who's not on a great contract, but he's young and he's on a movable contract on its own. You get Montrez Harrell, who's an expiring deal, making less than 10 million. And in the pick and roll is a pretty, pretty effective backup center or even starting center if you don't care too much about defense. KCP is three and D. Everyone needs that. And then you get the 22nd pick in this draft. And I'm thinking to myself, the Wizards bought low and they, they didn't sell high, but they sold for far more than they bought them for. Yes. No, man. I, I think, I think it's a really good move for the Wizards overall. Oh, yeah. uh, if you just think like, think in terms of like your personal life, right? Would you rather have one massive problem or like three small, medium problems, right? Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll take the small problems. Like they, they'll find, they'll easily find a taker for KCP if they end up not wanting them. Like that's a yeah. highly movable contract. Um, they'll, they should be able to find somebody who thinks I, I'm really long Kyle Kuzma. I, I yeah. think you watch the kid, the guy plays like he doesn't have a bag. He, he doesn't have dribble moves. He doesn't, I, I don't know where his offense comes from. He's just an athlete, you know, but he's bad. I think he's pretty, I think overall he's a pretty bad NBA player. Yeah. But 
they'll find somebody who who wants to take a flyer on him, you know? Yeah. Um, and who was the third player, man? I'm Montrez Harrell. Montrez Harrell, yeah. So Harrell is a guy, Harrell's one of those confusing NBA players to me who uh what he's good at he's like elite at and what he's bad at he's he's atrocious at so he's kind of a complicated like puzzle piece for any team to fit i find it's almost but, like russell westbrook exactly only for like one third of the salary or something right one, so, it's actually one fourth of the salary it's oh less than one God. fourth of the salary yeah so yeah no man it's wizards made off like bandits the only thing is is like i i do think the wizards kind of suck now like it's bradley beal and a bunch of spare parts but it beal seems loyal so, I mean, now they've got the flexibility to, like, try to put something good around Beal for, for the year after next, even. You know? Like, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That's, that's what I think they were thinking about. Is, and the other thing is, is, the other thing is, if Beal does decide to leave, they're in a great position to already kind of start. They're already, like, in phase one of a rebuild yes, almost. So, like, if he does leave, you're not going to be crappy for another half decade. You might yeah. be crappy for, like, two or three years. And if stuff goes right, you're fine. Yeah, and you're not stuck with just Russell Westbrook for some reason. You know, you can't find a move for him. You don't have Beal anymore. You know, like that. That's that's not a great situation. So, yeah, yeah. no, great trade for the Wizards. Uh, extremely high risk, potentially high reward trade for the Lakers. I guess. Which sounds like something you've said that you would like. You like the high risk, but not when it comes to Westbrook. He's just a I risk too far. Westbrook, yeah. <laughs> and to be clear, like I'm not all the way out on this. I I, I think it's the type of thing where like. You know, I don't know. My prediction is probably 55 wins in a conference finals exit or something like that. Like, I like I, I think it'll be fun and interesting, but ultimately, yeah, the basketball fit's pretty questionable. Like, if they if if they basically can use the fact that they have those three guys to convince people that can hit 35 to 40 percent of their three pointers that they should take less money to come there for a season to make 10 times the amount of money they would make then that's then they'll win a championship but barring that i just don't see how they're going to have enough shooting because the like the bucks were able to win a championship without good three-point shooting for the most part but that's because they had two elite two-way players yeah in their physical primes and chris middleton who's a solid two-way player i think his defense is a little overvalued but a solid defensive player yeah and like Davis is a great two-way player. LeBron can be, but he can't be, I think, for 48 minutes of a seven-game series. And Westbrook is not a good defensive player. So they no. just – I just don't think it's the same blueprint. No, it's not the same blueprint. The other thing about uh, Milwaukee, rather, is like although they didn't have the best three-point shooting team in the league by any means, like the spacing was there. They didn't yeah. have guys – they didn't have a lot of guys outside of Middleton. They reliably like knocked them down, but they had four guys out there that defenses had to close out on, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so that's why that's why I asked about AD and whether he's going to move to the five. And if not, they're going to need to stretch five. You know, I don't, I like I don't know if it's Kelly Olynyk or like. Uh... <laughs> Honestly, I mean, he was he balled out for the the Rockets. No, I mean, look, I believe that AD can hit thirty five percent of his threes if they're wide open and he's playing more in that stretch role. I just don't believe that's the best way to get the most out of. AD, who I think is a good question too. Yeah. You know, I think he's their best player. All right. Then we can talk about this in the next episode um, because I yeah. think there's so much more to, to, to hash right. out. It's yeah. just a bizarre trade, yeah. but let's, let's get back. Let's get to the draft and talk about some immediate reactions. The top three, no surprises there. Pistons were locked in on Cade Cunningham. Best prospect. Take him at number one. The Rockets, I don't know if Jalen Green is the second best player, but they've been on him for ages. That was expected. 
he should be good. And the Cavaliers that we talked about in our mock draft, they're just going to take who was there. And Evan Mobley was the guy there and they snagged him. But at four, it only took four picks for some crazy shit to happen. And as the Canadian and as the head of the fan club of the man that was selected, I think you should take this one. Yeah, man. I love it. I love it. It's funny because I I, I watched the draft with four Raptors fans. Uh, no. I, oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Well, dude, I, I'm frequently in a situation where I'm the only non I should see three Raptors fans and a Lakers slash Raptors fan. But anyway, uh, like, I'm frequently the only person in a social situation who's not a Raptors fan. Uh, it's, it is what it is. Um, I... But I love it. I love it, man. Uh, I really think Scotty Barnes has a significantly higher ceiling than subs. And it just comes down to athletic gifts, right? Like Barnes is like six foot nine and he can handle the ball and he's, he's really fast at that size. He's got uh, really high level passing instincts. Um, I just see that the skeleton of a superstar more like I'm not saying he's going to be one. I, I think he's very much a high ceiling, low floor prospect. But I like that the Raptors went for the gamble. Uh, Jalen Suggs to me is Chauncey Billups. Like a, a, a really Chauncey Billups is really good. He was the yes. best player on a championship team. Just, just so just I just I actually probably disagree with that. But um, he's he's really good, really really good. But he, he was never a franchise player, and and I don't think Suggs will be. I love I love Chauncey Billups, but um... I like him too. I like him. Dude, okay, that Pistons team was a little bit exceptional because the best, there, there were like five guys on that team could have been the best player on the team. You know what I mean? I think Chauncey Billups, the advanced metrics bear out that Chauncey Billups was clearly the best player on that team. Yeah, I know. And his skill set was kind of ahead of its time, but that's another conversation. It is. Uh, so yeah. Disregard that, that comparison for a second. I just, I think Suggs is one of these guys with like a pretty limited ceiling, a really high floor, but a pretty limited ceiling. And, 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 Burns, the sky's the limit. The floor's the limit too, but yeah. Yeah, I, when I was watching highlights and seeing like kind of how he thinks, he wants to be Magic Johnson, and I go, that's great, but like Magic Johnson probably wouldn't have been that good in the modern NBA with Ooh. unless he unless he had developed a better jump shot. Would he have? Probably. But I just, okay. I, I just can't see like no one was that tall at the position back then, and now that's not quite as unique. It's still very, very that's difficult not- to find guys that big that can pass like that. But I look, I like Scotty Barnes too. I just think that Jalen Suggs is actually kind of perfect for what the Raptors already have. And just with Scotty Barnes getting selected, it lets me know that the Raptors are probably going to be aggressive about shopping Siakam. That would be my guess. Just oh yeah, no, I think so. It's just, yeah. I don't see how you fit the, those guys with OG and Anobi in the same in lineups together. Yeah, all, all three of them is just overkill. You talk about three like playmaking wings. Well, um, you know, like, you know, maybe maybe they're just like will allow twelve points a game. <laughs> yeah, like I was saying about Orlando, should they have gone on to draft Burns and uh, keep Isaac and Bomba? They 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 could. Um, but Toronto needs an answer at the five now. Whether they're rebuilding or whether they're going all in, like they they don't. Butcher. Butcher. Butcher hits 40% of his threes. And if you have a ton of length, maybe you don't need a big-ass center. Like, I don't uh, know. Butcher's sick. I, I like him a lot. But I think his best role is uh, a reserve who plays at both the four and the five and gets you, like, close to 30 minutes a night. But but his position is situationally 
depending. Like, I, yeah. I, I think they need a five, you know? Like, I, I think they should make a run at Jared Allen if the Cavs are parting ways. Hey, it's 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 really easy to find rim-running centers for, it is. Like, like, for a decent value. Like, there's a cost option. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Well, um, the, the Raptors' mistake, uh, or in your mind, the Raptors' great decision, uh, benefits the Magic because they get Jalen Suggs, and I, I think we've talked about Suggs. The Magic need a player like him. He's someone they can, you know, put butts in the seat right now. Probably makes this team better right away. Definitely more watchable. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think the Magic actually had a pretty good draft just because of the the way the way things broke for him. They were able to get pretty good prospects. Yeah. But the real, the, the next big surprise was yeah. at six when the Thunder drafted yeah. Josh Giddy or Josh Gidey. Um, apparently. He's the sixth best player in the draft. I don't really know what the fuck the Thunder are doing. Um, I, they, I, I mean, like, he seems to me to be someone where he could be incredibly good if he develops a jumper, but there is another guy that they could have taken with an even better upside um, who also is has kind of a similar bust potential. Because I think Josh Giddy has a bust potential where well, it's dog. like, it's like, hey, he might be big, but can he really defend anyone all that well? And yep. if your only trait is passing, uh, you're not worth a top six pick. Yeah, no, play pass only. It's I'm often conflicting on this. I might have said this to you before. Passing is my favorite aspect of basketball, so I always yeah. do these guys. But in reality, if if you're pass first, second, third type of player, you generally don't get very far right like you have to be exceptional at it and you have to bring one other thing at least at an average level to, yeah. to keep stay around but can i tell you why i think the thunder drafted a day because they want to tap into the australian basketball market and it might be something to that you know but uh i think that they're keeping the tank rolling man i think they didn't see a guy on the board who they thought could be their guy at all I guess they didn't like Kaminga, even though I mean, I, yeah, because Kaminga, if you want to keep the tank going and have the potential for upside, that's the only weird thing, yeah. But but maybe maybe they just maybe they just didn't like him, you know. I think maybe they had to have loved Giddy. I think that has to be the answer. They just yeah. loved him, right? Maybe, maybe they think this. Maybe they think Kaminga has a franchise player ceiling, but a really low floor, and we don't believe in his franchise player ceiling. Okay. We want they. Because when we do finally land our franchise player, we think he has a higher chance of being like a complimentary piece, you know? That's a that's a fair that's a fair point. I would say they already have their franchise player in uh, SGA. Yeah, and yeah, maybe yeah. maybe they think he, he works well with with Shy Gilgis and yeah. they're just they're just or maybe they just really want to like have former British colonies players from there <laughs> on their team. Yeah. I don't know. I thought this was surprising. And I also, the reason why I find it even more surprising is I think they could have traded back to like eight or nine and, and that's probably gotten them. Yeah. And with the way they've operated recently, that's like, that's kind of been their MO. They're like, well, we'll trade back. We have no problem with that. Now they did already pick up two first round picks from uh, Houston for what that's worth, I guess, you know, I they, mean, they, yeah. But those those protections are like so, so so strong early on in those those picks that like those aren't conveying for another like two three years probably. Yeah, or if they do, they're outside of the lottery, so they're not <clears throat> they're not the best picks. Um, yeah. No, you're right. They could have traded back to get a day. They could have traded back to eight or nine. Uh, and Sacramento yeah. seemed to be dangling nine, so it's 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 overall pretty weird. 
it's definitely weird that they took a day, but the best I can figure is they they want to extend the tank. They want to be the worst team in the league next year. Uh, they want to draft Chad Holgren and then start trying to do something real, you know? Yeah. Or they just might think that he was like one of the five or three best prospects in this draft. And they said, fuck it. We'll stick to our big board. We don't care. Um, and we'll grab yeah. him. <clears throat> yeah. And- if, if, if that's the case, then man, oh man, Sam Presti's going to look like a fucking genius if it ends up being true because like, nobody had good day at six on their big board right like yeah no i mean yeah. i don't think he was one of those guys who was like borderline top 10 at best yeah it's on the cusp of that you know yeah I, I i actually like him i think he's gonna be a solid nba player but like oh yeah but sixth is is a pretty high draft slot to to spend on a guy like yeah him, you know? yeah so and that meant that the warriors were able to get kaminga who i think we've talked about a little bit He's boomer bust. I think he's unfortunately probably not going to be a warrior for for long. No. Um, yeah, not maybe Washington. About it. Maybe Washington Wizard pretty soon. That'd be awesome. Um, but that means there'd be no Bradley Beal. So outside of those, uh, the four, five, and six, are there any other selections that surprised you? I know you know that Franz Wagner was a top ten likely pick. The Magic pick. picked him up thought he he fits them well i think you know the magic did pretty well they got two guys that even if they're not superstars or all-stars they're probably both at worst really good long-term rotation pieces so if they do land a star they have like a pretty good core to, to build upon yeah but uh anyone else you want to talk about in the top and, 10 and, uh, let, let me walk something back one thing back actually though uh yeah. give you give you some credit which is that when we talked about the magic two nights ago i guess uh i very much was an advocate for like man they should just take scotty burns and kaminga whatever and just stack up on like athletic wings who are two-way that can't really score and like fuck it who cares but coming out of the draft with suggs and wagner i gotta admit i look at that and i'm like you know what that actually makes more sense like these are pieces that could fit with them long term that fit with what they have like yeah it, why not? It, it works. They had a great draft. Yeah. Why not see if Jonathan Isaac and um, Mobamba are good players? Like, yeah. give them an environment to see if they're good. And if they're not, fuck it, move on. You're still in rebuild. But if they are, like, yeah, you got guys oh, cool. Yeah. It's like get guys that make the guys you already have a little bit better. Um, I, I'm I'm a big proponent of that. I think the Hawks did a good job of that building around Trey Young, and I think it like paid dividends for them. And they made the Eastern they Conference. Did. That's right. That's right. You know? And if you're in the you, know, East, I, I, you don't have to be that good. True. So many of these conversations come back to this to me. Like there's so many ways to build a team. You know, you can you can shoot for being the worst team in the league until you obviously have a framework for contention, or you can just try to incrementally build up to, to contending. And uh however you do it, you do it. But I like the direction that Orlando took last night, man. Uh those are two complimentary pieces. Um, so let's see. I know you said you want to talk a little bit about Davian Mitchell going to the Kings. Yeah. Um, I would say I, I get it, but at the same time, I kind of don't because you already have two, two guards that you probably want to play most of the time Yep. in uh, De'Aaron Fox and oh God, I'm spacing on his name. Uh, 11th pick from Hall- last Hall- year. Halliburton. Yeah. Tyrese Halliburton. Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah. And while they're both defensively limited, playing Davion Mitchell with them would give you three small guards. I know. Yeah, man. So I I can't say I like the pick for that exact reason. I like someone, uh, friends were saying last night, well, they were going to play a lot of three guard lineups and like, 
Maybe, but how successful is that long term, and and how good of a usage is that of, of Halliburton to like say, well, you came to the league as a point guard, but since you landed with us, you're a three now. Like the, he he does seem like a guy that can play multiple positions and stuff, but I just think like you guys couldn't take a, a wing or a big, you know? Like, yeah, you hated Jalen Johnson and uh, Sanguine and and everybody on the board, you know? Yeah. Also, I personally think Davian Mitchell is probably the most overrated prospect, and I I'm projecting him to be kind of just a bust. People talk about his defense and I go, you know what? You can be a great defender in college through athleticism and hustle, but at the NBA, almost all great defenders have length and size and short, he is short player and he doesn't have a large wingspan. So even if he gets stronger, I don't really see him being a plus defender because guys are so good at shooting guys take so many threes that if you can't contest and make a six foot five guy, feel you when you close out it's really 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 hard to be a good defender his free throw shooting is poor and i think last year his three-point shooting um was an aberration because historically it's been pretty bad and there have been these guys in college where it's like a 30 game season you have you you hit 40 percent of your threes but you don't take enough that people really can know and i just i think he's basically a guy where he has to be elite at defense to be a valuable nba player and i just don't see that in his and his physical makeup for that. I think that's quite reasonable, man. I, I think when I look at Mitchell, I see a guy like, I see a game manager. I see like a Corey Joseph who coaches will feel like I'm quite comfortable with you on the floor for 17 minutes a night because you won't screw up. But yeah. I don't, I don't want you on the floor much more than that. And that's not great value at the ninth pick when you already stacked at that position. So I, I really don't like the trade for Sacramento, man. Yeah, yeah, I just, but you know, Sacramento got Halliburton. People are like, maybe they're not as dumb as we thought. And then they draft Davian Mitchell and are like trying to trade Marvin Bagley, who like basically has never gotten an extended run in his career. Um, yeah, whatever. Um, I guess the other big, big surprise is going to be the Spurs picking Joshua Primo at 12. I, basically didn't even know who this guy was. That's how far down most draft boards uh, he was. And also how, how not locked, how much I'm not actually an insider. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah. So like, do you know, even know anything about him? He's got a great name. Jay great Primo. Name. Great name. Primo. Yeah. Yeah. You got, you got to love that. Um, I, he's a name to me. Yeah. He just, I've seen him on boards, you know, I, I, I knew he was going to get drafted. Uh, but he was a big time surprise at 12. I guess the Spurs have earned a certain benefit of the doubt. So we'll see. Not knowing enough about his game, it's kind of hard to talk about him, but it was a huge surprise. Well, he's Canadian, so you should get on board. Um, or, you know, it says he's country USA, but he represents represented Canada. So he's got some Canadian connection. Yeah. Um, he's six foot six. He played at Alabama. Let's see. He, I mean, he didn't post impressive numbers. He was only a freshman, 8.1 points, 3.4 boards, only 43% from the field, but 38% on three pointers and 75% on free throws. So maybe they see shooting potentials in him. Hmm. You know, it said he reclassified from the class of 2021 to 2020. So maybe he's just one of these guys where he's really young and they're just banking on the fact that he was so young that he's got more upside. Long yep. athletic wing with excellent shooting potential. 
so I guess like, you know, he, he sounds like a Spurs player, smart defender. He gets yeah. the right spot, shows flashes of handle and shot creation skills. Maybe this guy will actually end up being a great pick. I mean, they, I think people had the same reaction when they got Kawhi Leonard to a degree. I think you're right. And the Spurs have been great at developing guys. And I'm, I'm a big believer though. If like you think you can get someone later, just fucking trade back and add a bit more and then go get that guy. And I think that's yeah. probably the error here, even if they're right, that he's a good player. Yeah. Even if they just traded back four or five spots and got a little sweetener, it's like, yeah. yeah. Cause there's no way. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I guess we obviously don't know everything because we certainly didn't think he was going to get picked at 12, but like, it's hard to imagine anybody else is going to pick him. If you look at the guys who went next, you know, it's Chris Durarte for the Pacers at 13, Moses Moody at 14, Corey at Kispert at 15, and then uh, Alperen Sengun at 16, and then Trey Murphy at 17. So, like, yeah, you probably go back to 18 with the Thunder, who have a bunch of picks, and you probably snag an extra second-round pick if the yeah, Thunder wanted to yeah. move up, that right? Yeah. Um, so that, that would be my thinking. All right. So now that we've gotten over some of the, the surprises, um, let's talk about who we think had really good drafts and the NBA draft has become really interesting because it's become a draft of haves and have not. I think there's seven teams without a first round pick. And then like of those seven teams, four of them didn't have any, like a second round pick. So there's four teams that aren't even picking in this draft. Wow. Yeah, it just shows you the the how draft picks have really become the currency of NBA transactions. Yeah. So there's more teams with multiple picks, which means there's more teams that have can do really well in a draft because they can just add a ton. And volume is as you know, when it comes to sales, comes to life, you know, volume has its benefits. That's right. Yeah. So who do you so- think had the best draft? I'm going to propose that you let me talk about the Rockets a bit and then you go ahead and talk about the Wizards for a bit because those are our teams. And I think we both agree that they both had good drafts, right? Okay, yeah, that's good. Let's do that. So I am just so happy about my Rockets (laughs) draft, man. (laughs) Um, I wanted both those guys. Well, like, Green, obviously. I did too. That's like... Yeah, I I mean, you've been talking about the Penguin a lot. Yeah. 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 No, man, yeah. Um. I'm going to start with Garuba because, well, okay, first of all, Jalen Green is just, that's just obvious. Like, it, yeah. we knew what's happening. Um, I probably would have taken Mobley, but it's such a narrow margin for me at the same time. So, like, I'm, I'm chill, you know? Uh, yeah. And, and I think Green, I don't think it was a bad decision. I just think that there were two right decisions, and it was hard to say which one, you know? Which one was um, more right? It's You never know. Yeah, exactly. So, we'll see. But Garuba... Uh, fills so many team needs, man. Uh, yeah. yeah, like all at once, you know. Um, he's, I think he's going to be a super effective small ball five, and I think he's going to be a uh, great pairing with Wood at the four because he, yeah. it doesn't matter that he can't shoot. We'll still be four out, right? Uh, if you count Jayshon Tate as shooting. <laughs> um, but it doesn't player. matter because we're not looking to contend next year or anything, right? It, uh, yeah, Garuba is just an ideal fit and then sanguin uh i like that he's he's probably gonna keep christian wood on his toes like this kid has a chance to come in and uh make the rockets think about trading wood right away you know like all he has to do is show potential for for a rebuilding team you know like like okay he's like what six seven years younger or something so if he's even 
30% as good as him at this stage, they might say, all right, we're going to gamble on this guy's long-term development and we're going to ship Wood off for like two or three future picks or something, you know? Yeah. Uh, and if not, um, that... I think he was the most talented player we could have possibly got at 16. So I, I, I think it's very exciting. Oh, yeah. um, as for Josh Christopher, <laughs> uh, I, I, I like taking Jalen Green's friend, though. I, I just think it makes a degree of sense to just get things going on the right foot. Like, hey, man, look, we're gonna, this is the type of thing the Rockets will do for you. You know, like, tell us who else you want. You know, like, yeah, I, it's goodwill. Uh, basketball, no, I get that. It works. Yeah. Yeah, well... I agree with you on the Christopher thing. Um, if if it's important to Jalen Green that he plays with Josh Christopher, if Josh Christopher being on the team makes Jalen Green a better basketball player, yeah. then selecting with 24 is worth it. I would have, you know, traded back into the second round and drafted him because pretty much no one had him in the top 30. So he's definitely someone they could have traded back for. Um, I, trade, I agree with that. I mean, you read my – I had to write the – the NBA draft grades. I think I gave that one a C minus yeah. and I probably could have gotten like a D if I really wanted to. Um, yeah. But you could probably give it like a B if you're just basically going whatever. It doesn't matter. It's all about Jalen green. So I kind of put it in between, but I do think when you factor in, he was good, probably going to be available deeper in the draft. He doesn't actually have like an immediate spot on the team because yeah. of like his game and the roster they currently have. So he's probably going to have to be in the G league. Um, oh yeah. But you know, him and Jalen Green were apparently the bench bros on an AAU team, and like that's 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 worth it just to be like we bringing the bench bros back. Except Green's not going to be a bench bro, and yeah, you know he he'll be in the G League. Um, yeah, but I agree with you. Uh, Sengun was someone that I I loved as a prospect. I personally, if I had to like do like a prospect ranking thing, he would have easily been in my top ten, maybe even close to top five. I just I will say this till I die an 18 year old winning MVP of the Turkish league, the third best league in the world. Don't overthink it. Like yeah, better than the NCAA. If, and yeah. I, I wrote it even in my, uh, in my, my draft grade. Cause I gave that one an a plus. If he put up the numbers he put up in the Turkish league at Kentucky, he might've been a top five pick. Yeah. It's weird. Like, to think about it, man, dude, it's, it's almost like we're going to get into psychology again, as, as we've been known to do so far, but it's weird. Cause it's like, Okay, it's pretty much consensus that the Turkish league is, is a better league than the NCAA. Yeah. So this kid was the best player in a better league than the NCAA. So why why are the best college players? That's a little oversimplified. Like we all think Kate Cunningham's a better prospect than no, Segway, obviously. It's, but... it's not that. It's 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 the problem is NBA teams do this thing where they're like, well, I didn't see him personally enough. Yeah. I'm like, guess what, dumbass? video exists so you literally don't need to see any of these guys in person like it's not a great difference he's been a pro for a long time so you don't have to worry about him adjusting to being a pro and this is the same thing happened with luka Doncic. yeah yeah that's right yeah luka Doncic was drafted third even though he had been the best player in europe like in the spanish league and then the euro league which is the Spanish league is the next best league outside the NBA. And then the Euro league has all the top teams from all the countries in Europe in it, best player in both of those. And he wasn't the consensus number one pick. And I just remember thinking this dude is literally the best player as an 18 is the best player as an 18 year old in the second best competition to the NBA. 
don't overthink it. Like statistics don't mean everything. And, but like when it's against really good competition, yeah, it's, it's like in baseball. If a guy puts up monster numbers in AAA, there's a high likelihood that he'll be at least a pretty good major leaguer because he's really close to the big leagues. Right. Yeah. And the NCAA is more like low A. So if a guy puts up monster numbers there, you can't, you're not really sure if it's going to eventually translate. Simple. Yeah. 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 Or something. <laughs> yeah, man. Right. I know people, people like to, to rag on statistics and say like oh, advanced stats, that's for like your Twitter nerds. And like, it's more about the eye test and like, uh, we do need a, a means to measure a player's effectiveness. Like it does count for something like it, it, if this kid put up B stats in, in the Turkish league. That means that he, that he can play. There's no, like he, he's not getting those stats. If he can't play. And the questions will remain about his defense, but I thought that was a great pick. And I agree with you with a uh, Garuba. I think that's perfect fit. Very good, very good long-term defensive potential yep. and green's great. But if I, if I can talk about the wizards draft, I think they did a good job in that, you know, they didn't actually have good picks in terms of like the number, but they got Corey Kispert, who's considered to be like the best shooter in this draft, maybe. So he's a guy that even if he's probably never going to be a superstar, almost surely not a superstar, maybe probably not even an all-star, but he's a guy who fills an important role, a good team defender, floor spacer. And if you have him and Davis Burton's with Bradley Beal, like that's a lot of shooting that you can have out at one time. So that gives you a lot of flexibility with who you're going to have um, outside of that. And who else did they add? Oh man, I'm, I'm looking really good. Oh, and they got Isaiah Jackson who, you know, anyone that goes to Kentucky, it doesn't matter what numbers they put up. Like he put up decent enough numbers, athletic, big moves really well. And whenever I hear big moves really well, I think, well, if he can survive switches, he's instantly a valuable defensive player that's what people are hoping Jackson can do. Exactly. And, you know, he started more of the offense started running through him as the season went on. I think, you know, he's a, he's a good upside type of guy. And then they got Isaiah Todd via uh, a trade with the Pacers, who was the 31st pick played for the G league ignite was kind of the, the third guy behind green and Kaminga there huge potential. And that's like the type of guys that you want to get with the 31st pick. Like either you get a guy that you're like, fills an immediate need plug and play, not a ton of upside or a guy who you say, all right, fuck around the G league for a few years. Thought they did really well considering they basically had the fifth, they had the 15th pick, the 22nd pick and the 31st pick. And I think they got stuff that will help them be better. And if it keeps Bradley Beal there, that's really all that matters. Right. They should have just drafted Bradley Beal's son, who's like two or three. If that keeps him there, just be like, hey, Brad. 25-year contract. (laughs) A 25-year, $25 million contract for your son. (laughs) Yeah. Dude, I also love the Wizards draft. I think that it it was good choices across the board. With their two first-round picks, I I think it's kind of interesting that they both those guys – probably will never make an all-star team but will probably be valuable rotation players in the nba for 15 years like they're just both they, they both have transferable skills yeah. that like should work you know jackson looks like a really good defensive player versatile defender um who may be a little too skinny at right now and if he can't add some weight then he might be a 20 minute a night guy but they'll be valuable 20 minutes though you know <laughs> yeah and, yeah like kisford you know kisford's gonna be a starting nba player who averages 15 points a game on excellent three-point shooting. Like, it just – his form is the purest in the draft, uh, and, and the numbers back it up. And 
it doesn't like you know he he's he's Joe Harris 2.0 and that's a really good NBA player so like, yeah yeah also also I I bring this up all the time but when people talk about these 19 year olds that are almost seven feet tall and they say they're oh they're skinny I'm like no shit they're skinny they're almost seven feet tall and they're 19 years old 19, if yeah. they weren't skinny you like that means you got to watch out because you're gonna have to manage that motherfucker's weight like for the like that, that is true year. and that is i'd true. rather have a guy where you're like let's add weight then we have to manage weight because people that just put on bulk like that there's to me in a sport like basketball they're just massive injury risks it's like for me why like zion if you're the if you're the pelicans you're like we got to win now because zion at 28 might not be an all NBA player anymore basketball. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. I know you're right. It's funny. Like how, how do we want these guys to come into the league? Evan Mobley always oh, never going to be uh, strong enough. Zion Williamson always too thick. He's not going to be able to fucking last. It's like, okay, so what is the, every guy has to come to the league 225 pounds. And, and you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but I think that body type matters. I don't really know what Jackson's is, but like, I know people are worried about Evan Mobley, because he's not very broad shouldered. So people are wondering, does he have the room to put on the weight? Like, you don't Who like that. Who cares? The thing about <laughs> the putting on the weight thing is just so dumb to me. It's not the 90s. You're not dealing with Patrick yeah, Ewing. You're not dealing with Charles Oakley. You want people are like, I want my centers to look like seven foot Arnold Schwarzenegger's and be able to fucking defend guards on the perimeter. I'm like, okay, well, you, you can't you can't do that. But you know what? If you're, I know. Really, if you're really long and you're lean. You have a better chance of defending guys on the perimeter and you're still going to be good at defending the rim because at the end of the day, basketball isn't a sport where like you can push people around at, right. at will. It's a non-contact it, sport in theory. And yeah. Well, I mean, it's a contact sport, but it's not like football where it's a knockdown sport. Like just being heavier than people has its advantages, but it's so much less important than it used to be. And I'll take someone that can cover space over someone that can just take up space. I, I, I agree with you. I do agree with you. Uh, I, I agree with you 90%. I just would say that, like, some of these guys, like Jackson is a case of, like, I don't think he can be a starter if he's unable to, to, to put on 10 pounds and maintain his mobility. You know, like... Putting on 10 pounds ain't nothing if you're 6'11 and 19 years true. old. That's like, yeah, yeah. You know, like, and that, that's my whole thing. It's like, those concerns always, always blow my mind because I'm like, dude... It, it, the problem is people think about NFL players and it's like the age that people start really putting on mass is going to be that age 20 to like 25 period. Yeah. So just don't worry about it. Like if that ever comes up as like your concern, I'd just be like, that's the, that's the last concern. Who cares? It's, it, it just, yeah. if that's the case, whatever. But like most of these guys can do it. And also there's like the, in the NBA, if a guy takes steroids, no one cares. Deandre Aiden took steroids. Literally no one cares. You know, take that 25-game suspension be like, all right, you're doing a cycle. Yeah, you come, come take a 25-game yeah. thing, and you got the muscle, and you can maintain it. it it's I, Maybe I shouldn't be advocating for steroid use, but, like, I, I just – I don't get why it's a thing. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So let's uh, – let's, 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 we always get stuck in the weeds. Um, yeah. Let's, I, uh, I let's talk about some uh, – uh, another – let's each pick another team that we think did a, a good job uh, in this draft and then finish it up. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, so who, what team outside of the Rockets and the Wizards that you really think had like a, a really good draft? Um, I think I'm going to steal your answer here, but... Uh, fine, fine, that's good. 
the the Hornets, man. You did you know, steal my uh, answer. I did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> maybe I mean, it's maybe the obvious answer, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it is obvious. It's 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 funny, man. As a Rockets fan, I, I came into this with the possibilities of us moving up in the draft. Uh, I really had hoped that we could land Kai Jones. Now, I didn't think that Sang- Sanguin was uh, realistic, so well, I, I was kind of we could land Kai Jones. What's that? I think no, no one for the Rockets thought Sanguine or Garuba were like realistic options at 23 yeah. or 24. So, you know, I, I think, yeah, I would have loved for the Rockets to get Kai Jones just as like a fit, but yeah. they, they probably did better overall. They did. They did. Yeah. But my point is that obviously I, I, I was excited about Kai Jones too, yeah. you know, like yeah. this is a guy that I, and he's such, as you covered the other night, he's such a perfect fit with LaMelo Ball. Like they, they had to get him if they could, man. And they did. Oh yeah. And, and they, on top they, of it, uh, they got Bo Knight, who not only looks like a really good player, but he also solves some problems for them because they got uh, Malik Monk and Devontae Graham entering restricted free agency. Uh, Monk is clearly going to walk. I mean, they, they just drafted his replacement. Uh, so it streamlines their, their, their roster construction a little bit. They, you know, they, it gives them a better idea of what they're doing. And that's really valuable. And he just looks like a pocket. So that helps too. Yeah. 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 No, definitely. I, I think the other thing is that like, when you think about the roster construction, people are going to want Monk. People are going to want um, Devonte Graham and they might just be like, Hey, sign and trade. Now that we have Bo Knight, like yeah. yep. we're good. We're good. Like I mean, the Pacers might want one of those guys. It's something involving Miles Turner, right? Like they, they, they're going to have some possibilities, man. It's an exciting team. Oh man. Miles Turner coming back up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, Kai Jones definitely awesome, and Bo Knight at eleven. I think you know because he was getting some like top top five ish, not fifth pick, he but was. like top five ish buzz, and people thought he might even go to the Thunder. So getting him at eleven yeah. is good because I know some people were like, "Oh, the Hornets are going to have to pick uh, Kai Jones at eleven, which would have been a bit of a reach." But they get Bo Knight, yeah. and then they trade to get uh, Kai Jones at nineteen. And I think they actually did something uh, pretty good in the second and in the second round. They uh, did a trade with the Pistons and they got JT Thor, who's like a really good long-term yeah. prospect, yep. a big guy who can shoot. So, I mean, you, you factor, you factor that into the equation. Their first round was they nailed and then getting a guy like JT Thor with the 37th pick, they could look really smart in a few years. And then they also got a guy named Scotty Lewis. So I'm going to open a new tab on and take a look at him. I, and- I want to add, yeah, uh, Thor <laughs> absolutely receive first round consideration like like yes. serious first round consideration so uh that's another great pickup for them man yeah oh and they picked up at the end of the second round scotty lewis i'm just gonna read you his strengths from nba.com slash draft slash 2021 slash prospects slash scotty dash lewis that's the URL if you're wondering. Um, yeah. Strengths, defensive-minded wing with elite athleticism, plays above the rim with ease, very quick in the open floor, has the tools to be a lockdown defender, ran track in high school and recorded a 10-6 in the 100-meter, studied ballet and dance. He ran a 10-6 at 6-5. That's I don't, I don't know what that means because I have no interest in watching men run. Uh, it's just not something I like very much. Um. No, no, I, I get what you're saying. A 10-6 is like, that's not Olympic quality. Like Usain, here's the thing. Like if you look at like the best 100 meter sprinters, they're all like five foot 11. And Usain Bolt's like a freak of nature at like 6'4", and he's the best of them. But someone at 6'5", running a 10-6 is 
insane. So this guy is an incredible athlete. And if you know you're drafting some at the very end of the second round, you want an they, incredible athlete. Yeah. And they got they already got three good picks out of their draft. So taking a flyer on the fourth guy who you're just gonna put in the G League and be like run by people, not bad. Not bad at all. No, they had a, they had an excellent draft. Do you, do you 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 got a team in mind who you liked? Um well, I, I did really like the Hornets, as a, as you can tell. Yeah. I think I think some honorable mentions. I'll say I really think the Nets did pretty good. At twenty seven, they get Cameron Thomas, then they they trade and they get Dayron Sharp, um, Thomas LSU shooting guard. He's a guy who looks like he can come in and get a bucket. Great coming off the bench for him. I think uh, as a fresh and as a freshman, as a rookie, he should provide value, especially with the spacing. If he's with the starters, like he'll have. A lot of easy buckets. Dayron Sharp out of North Carolina, big, powerful, kind of traditional center. That's someone that they, a type of player they kind of need if they want to deal with, you know, the Giannis and the and the Embiid's of the world. If they, you know, presumably trying to win the Eastern Conference, and then they, I think they did a pretty good job adding guys in the second round, and that's what you got to do. They got this guy Kessler Edwards who is six foot eight shoots it well from Pepperdine. So he kind of, he's one of these guys where, you know, if his shot is remains good in the NBA, kind of could be like a Joe Harris type of guy. And, you know, that's what you got to do when you're a team like the, the nets, Uh, they got two other guys that I think are kind of, you know, nothing guys, but they did a good job of drafting dudes that will fill out their roster and, fit around their big three and you know presumably i know those all three of those guys have opt-outs after this season which is insane Uh, all of uh durant and all that stuff but if these guys really fit and the roster is built perfectly around them and they re-sign those guys with those young dudes coming up the nets might win multiple championships oh yeah if i was a religious man i would be praying for them all to opt out at the end of the year but uh it's they did a nice job of, of drafting guys that could potentially like Dayron Sharp, especially he's like, they need big man play. You know, DeAndre Jordan is looking more washed every minute of his career. And uh, it's sharp. This kid looks pretty good, man. He can really pass the ball. Uh, he's a bruiser. Like we'll, we'll see if he's ready to defend at the NBA level on a regular basis uh, in terms of him, like getting more than, you know, five minutes a night for the time being. But like, yeah, if, if somebody gets hurt, he might be ready to plug in too. you know, like he, they needed a center and he, he definitely has some tools. Yeah. Also, you know who I think did a pretty good job was the Grizzlies. I really think the Grizzlies had a, a pretty solid draft. They got this guy from Loyola, Maryland, the Spanish dude who's six foot 11, Santi, Aldama um, with the 30th pick, they got him. With yeah. I've never Jazz. heard of him, man. He's, he's one of these dudes where like, he's like actually like a real prospect. Apparently just had like some connection to like Loyola, Maryland. And he was like, well, fuck it. I'll just go play there. Um, okay. But he's one of these dudes where like, he, he could be a real stretch for, and like a legit one. And those guys are just so, so, so valuable. Getting with yeah. like the 30th pick is great. Jaron Jackson insurance. Cause I love Jaron Jackson, but his knees, he's had multiple knee surgeries already. So that's yeah. always a concern. There's, there's already I, rumblings. Memphis don't want to extend uh, triple J, right? So yeah. you're right. Good yeah. insurance is possible there. Yeah. And then they got Zaire Williams. Who's a really good long-term upside guy. I know you like him. 
Yeah. I think he probably was a reach with the 10th pick, but yeah. So I think they probably took him because G'day was surprisingly off the board. Right. Yeah. So they're like, uh, sorry, Williams, but I, like it could pay off in a big way or not, but it's, 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 a, it's a high, high ceiling, low floor prospect again. Yeah. And also they, uh, they got uh, Jared Butler who played it, you know, was like a very important part of Baylor's national championship winning team. And he's just one of those dudes where I think he's a great, you know, you get him in the second round and he's probably going to be like a good bench guy and that's what you need. And that's, that's half of, half of the draft is just about finding guys that like can potentially contribute five or six minutes a night. Fill out your roster. That's right. Exactly, man. Yeah. I know every, you look at every prospect and you start thinking about the ceiling and you get excited and it's like, well, realistically, man, you know, uh, 25, 30 stars didn't come into the NBA last night, right? Like, but role players count too, man. And, and you know, that's that's just it. That's how the league is constructed. Yeah. So I wanted to make this joke because uh, I thought it would be funny making fun of the Pistons. Is that I was kind of hoping the Pistons would select uh, Rokas Jakubetis because he's another like athletically limited left-handed passing savant point guard <laughs> and just, yeah, team, and just right. like every year just be like oh like let's just let's just like double down on like just randomly stockpiling all the the great passing left-handed uh point guards out of year guards. yeah <laughs> but um my final thing i want to talk about is uh real quick is just the kings drafted uh nemus Queta out of utah state I'm high on him. He had a really good combine. He started getting some slight first round buzz after that. They got him with a 39th pick. He's a center. And I did this project where I just took all of uh, the the measurements from the combine and put it in a spreadsheet and compared it to the average for the position. And Kata was like the best center in terms of length and weight. And he did the length and the weight without having a high body fat percentage, which is obviously good. And you want that combination. He's Portuguese. So he's one of these guys where he's a bit raw, but at the combine, he kind of like flashed a little bit of a jump shot that no one really knew that he had. And I think he could be one of these guys where he's never going to be, maybe he's never, I don't think he'll be like an all-star, but he's someone that probably could be like a really good rim protecting center. And he might have a bit more offensive upside than people give him credit. Like if you're a Sacramento, I think that's a great pick because I think he, he fills a need for that team. And with just the potential, if he has like any form of a jump shot, you're talking about this guy goes from being like a good defensive player to being like a borderline all-star probably won't be because to be an all-star, you have to like put up certain types of stats, Yeah, but being like an all-star, like advanced overall analytics all-star level contributor and so i thought he was great value right. at the 39th pick i was honestly thinking the rockets should target him um i know i thought about first him. round uh i don't know about, as much about him as you do uh but i i know that he projects as like a solid reserve big uh but you know we got we got sanguine so yeah i mean he 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 finished third in the nation in blocks per game at 3.34 he averaged basically 15 points and 10 boards a game in the mountain West. And apparently he's got intriguing basketball IQ. Um, yeah. Intriguing. And they say his, well, they know yeah. that his passing has like long been considered like pretty good. He okay. like, there's a world where he's kind of like a poor man's bam out of bio. And to yeah, me, well. 
you get a poor man's band at the 39th pick and you're the Kings. Like that's awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. 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 And that's the Kings. They fucked up with getting Davy and Mitchell, but they, they made up for it with the 39th pick. The problem is when you do a great job, great job with the 39th pick, it's not nearly as valuable for your long-term projections as doing a great job with the ninth pick. (laughs) Yeah. Dude, there's one more thing I want to touch on. I got to get going, but really quickly um, I want to touch on, and that is, uh, Jalen Johnson at 20th overall to the Hawks is something to keep an eye on, man, because they're already a good team. And we know this is a prospect who, like, I feel like every question about this kid is for the most part is like, well, he left Duke and he left his high school team. And like, maybe, maybe that is a real concern, but in terms of his game, like he looks like a, a, a point forward who's lethal in transition. Um, he could be a star in the league, man. It's, it's possible. And they already have, Trey Young and a lot of good players. So, like, it's that's a sneaky move by the Atlanta Hawks that I like a lot. It's a good move. And I agree that he's someone where I feel like his draft, and this is, it kind of goes back to my whole thing with like why international prospects don't get their due as much, is that there's just this weird premium put on the NCAA. And yeah. because he he left the NCAA, he left Duke, like they're like, oh, that's that's a horrible decision. Like people like dropped like LaMelo Ball's stock and were like questioned his character because he was like, I want to go start playing pro as soon as possible. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people go, Luka Doncic, I don't know. Can he handle NBA quality athletes? And I'm like, yeah, he fucking can. Honestly, he makes, you know. And same thing with Sanguine. And, and so I do really think that there is this, and we'll see going forward, like, for, for instance, even Deshaun Tate. Deshaun Tate killed him in the Australian League. No one really wanted him. The Rockets got him on, like, a nothing deal. Yeah. And he probably ha- should have won Rookie of the Year if you take in account that, like, he was played almost the entire season and was productive the entire season. And so – it's just one of those things where I feel like guys that play overseas tend to get docked or guys that like don't do the NCAA. Cause for instance, if like Jalen green played NCAA basketball, he would have averaged more points than Cade Cunningham. And he probably would have shot just as good, if not better from three point range. Do you not think he would have like, there would have been like a real conversation about him going number one, if he had done that. Kind of was. So you got to think there would have been much more of one, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I really think that's that's what with me is that Johnson's a great value pickup for them. And the big thing is, does this mean anything about John Collins? And does that mean they don't think yeah. that they're going to resign him? Do they not want to resign him? Or is this just an insurance policy? I, I would suspect more of an insurance policy. Yeah. Just technologically, like, because uh, the kid's not going to be ready to come in and be as good as John Collins. And he can't shoot as well as Collins. So yeah. he's not ready to replace him yet. But I do think it could be insurance. If, if Johnson demonstrates that he's a really a bona fide high caliber NBA player, then maybe they find something else for Collins, you know? Yeah. Cause you know, honestly, a young guy on that first max deal who hasn't made an all-star team or an all NBA team, those guys are easy to move. People, people want yeah. those contracts. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's a, that's a great tidbit. The, the Johnson one, he's, he's definitely a very interesting one. And I, I hope he does well because I just remember when he decided, I like, he's like, uh, I'm leaving Duke. Some people were like straight up like mean. And when I say mean, I was like, I'm like, they question things about him as a person that you should not question when someone decides to say, you know, I'm not going to keep 
not getting paid for something I should be getting paid for and risking my health because the NCAA wants to make money. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Yeah. So it was the COVID year. So like, if you give them shit, you're just legitimately, you're probably a bad person deep down. Yeah. I mean, mean, it might not be entirely unfair to, to question, but what's deadly unfair is to reach conclusions. You know what I mean? Like, like this kid has got low character because he left Duke. Like, man, you don't, you have no idea what kind of conversations he had with his parents about it. Or like, you know, like what, like, like what was going on in his head? Like he might be the best guy in the league. You have no idea. But like, I I question, why did you leave Duke and your high school team? But I'm totally open-minded to the possibility that there are perfectly good explanations for that that don't make him some kind of bad kid. You know? Yeah, it's also just I think one of the things that I think people underrate and dismiss too easily is if you know you should be getting paid, yeah, and you're not getting paid at all, it kind of just makes you be like, you know what? Well, fuck you. I'm just gonna wait till I can go get paid because he knows he's gonna get paid to play basketball. And people are like, oh, well, like he he doesn't really love basketball. It's like, no, he doesn't want to like risk what is going to set him and his grandkids up for the rest of their lives yeah, dude. because you have these weird notions of like fealty and loyalty to a system that like systematically squeezes money out of athletes at yep. the amateur level. Dude. It might also be that um, the players and their wokeness to all of that is starting to lap like the analysts and the pundits who are like, Oh, he left Duke, you know, like it's unacceptable. And and meanwhile, like these kids are like, I'm gonna fuck about Duke, man. I, I gotta go get my bag. And 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 power to them. Like the, the NCAA, it, it, we're going down another rabbit hole now, but it's antiquated, man. It's uh it's been antiquated for a long time. Yeah, like I, I, I love these kids going to play for the G League Ignite, going to play for the Australian League. It's beautiful, man. Oh, it's great, it's great. And the NBA and NCAA know that that's what's gonna continue to happen. And so I think they're just basically going to fit. They're going to come. I wouldn't be surprised if they try to expand the kind of the G league ignite programs um, going forward, having more and more of it and kind of turning that into the NCAA almost. And because I would, I would watch that. I I refuse to watch the NCAA because I'm just like, these guys deserve to be paid and they're not. I mean, okay. I lied. I watched it this, I watched it this year, the tournament, because I filled out a bracket for my brother and it was a big pool and we were winning. <laughs> and so I had, I was like, Oh, like we win like 700 bucks each. Um, and I ended up, ended up being worth it. Cause I won the bracket with my, my great nice basketball man. knowledge. It was <laughs> awesome. I, I mean, I picked, I picked Baylor to win it all. I was That's like, sick, dude. Yeah. That, that wasn't a very common choice at all. I know. I was like Gonzaga in the final Baylor in the final. And it was one of those situations where, in the final four, if UCLA beat Gonzaga and knocked him out, I would have ended the bracket. It wouldn't have mattered who won the championship game. The, we would have had the best bracket because no one had UCLA um, make it into the final. And only, yep. and so I watched that game and I was like, when Jalen Suggs hit that three, I was like, I was so excited, but also like so kind of like pissed and blown because I was like, oh no, like I'm going right. to suffer through another game of <laughs> – maybe winning money because if i would have needed baylor to to win and then they did because you know david mitchell who i don't like came through the clutch <laughs> that's how it goes sometimes man 
<clears throat> oh yeah. All right. All right. Well, thank you for joining me for this emergency podcast. I'll try to get it up uh, as soon as I can. Uh, I'm not the best or quickest producer and uh, we'll be try to be back next week and do episode eight uh, yes, from downtown. And we can talk a lot less about the NBA draft. That's right. right man. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Thanks, Peace. man. Peace. Later.